Hello. You are listening to En Her Element podcast, featuring Maria Elena Marroquin and Leo Cadia Chuafe. Enjoy the show. And I'm Marilyn Ameriquin. And we are back. We are back. How are you doing? How is life going? I'm great. Um, I don't suggest coming back to the country, starting a new job, getting moving out of your apartment, and going on a cruise all in the same month. Oh, and turning 30, like entering a new decade. I I highly, I highly don't encourage that behavior, but I'm living my best life. <laughs> She's like, I don't recommend it, but it's okay for me. I'm dead. <laughs> How do you feel about turning 30? Hey, ask me in uh, five days or eight days or six days. I don't know. How many? Six days. Yeah, true. Because by the time this episode drops and we do the next episode, you'll be a 30-year-old woman, you know? So. <laughs> oh, my gosh. The reality of that. <laughs> oh, my gosh. She's such an adult. She's I'm not, old. though. I'm old, but I'm not an adult. <laughs> <laughs> I'm old, but I'm not an adult. I'm dead. I'm doing well. I've just been, like, running all the time. Eric, yeah. um, last night, officially, because uh, I have six more weeks until the actual marathon, so Eric sat down with me and we planned the next like month of my training up until September 22nd. And then we're going to revisit it. Um, so all that means is that my social life has completely gone down the drain, which I knew like at this point it would be. But after looking at the schedule, I'm just like, well, you know, people just won't see me for six weeks. And that's fine, you know. <laughs> Let's put it in 16 weeks, because that's what I'm doing, because I start grad school today. Oh. Oh, yeah, I forgot to add that. Are you, are you going to be, are you going, no, are you staying in the area, or are you going up to where the school is? So I have two in-person class, one in-person class, and two online classes, Um, and it's a hybrid model, so I get to go into Lawrence, because I think most people know that I go to KU. Um, okay. I get to go to. I was just okay. I was gonna say we're having this conversation right now. Eric has to go to Lords two times a week, Wednesday and Thursdays. So I'm hoping at some point you both meet up. That's yeah, my prob- it's not. It's not gonna happen because I go okay. on Tuesdays. But yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. one day. One day. Well, I'm excited for you. I'm excited for your journey on your running, and I'm excited to cheer you on. I will cheer you on the whole time. Yay. Yay. You'll sit there for five, six hours. <laughs> I, I, yeah, you know I would. You know I would. Thanks. Because I, I, I was like looking at my time and it's like, I'm not finishing. It's going to be five or six hours that I finish it. So I have a six hey, hour. Hey, as long as you finish, I will run towards the, to the finish line with you. Ah! <laughs> okay. Well, so to get going on our episode, um, I'm pretty actually excited to talk about this episode 
uh, or the topic on this episode, we are going to be talking about uh, mental health and communities of color. Um, it's something that we like haven't like touched about actually at all, I realize. Um, but mental health obviously is like a big uh, like issue topic that we like talk about in the States. And it's really great that it's getting more recognition as something that is super important right we talk about like physical pain pain you can actually see but like it's only like in pretty recent years that mental health has been on the forefront and actually has been considered like as important as like physical or pain that you can actually like see um but in communities of color I feel that well I can really only speak for like the black community um it's even like more more recently that we are starting to talk about it a lot more and it's becoming to be less taboo, which for many, many years, decades, it has been like really, really taboo. Um, so I'm I'm just really excited to like talk about that today and like dive into it. Yeah, for sure. I'm definitely excited to talk about this because I think both you and I are people that take our mental health very seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, and so realizing that that's part of like breaking generational, like curses or generational, increasing generational awareness and realizing that like the work that we're doing is like unlearning a lot of that generational behavior that we have, um, and being able to like move forward. So, yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. I just want to start out with a couple of, uh, stats to kind of, before we go in. Um, stats within the Black um, and Hispanic communities. Um, So when it comes to like mental health in the Black community, um, in the U.S., so we're going to be focusing, these stats are like based in the U.S., um, there are 13.4% of the U.S., of people in the U.S. who identify as Black or African American, and over 16% of them um, have a mental illness or identify having a mental illness, I think really in the past year. Um, So that's over 7 million people, and to kind of put that uh in a concrete example that's more than the populations of houston chicago and like philadelphia combined um 16 so 4.8 million of the black and african-american people um who reported having a mental mental health illness um 22.4 percent of those reported having a serious mental illness over the past year so actually i should correct myself the 16 percent is like having identified as having a mental illness overall and then within that 16%, 20, about 22% um, reported having a serious mental illness um, over the past year. Um, and then in the mental health, when it comes to Hispanic communities, um, there are 83% of the U.S. who identify as Hispanic um, and over 16% reported having a mental illness within the past year. So that's over 10 million people. Um, And to put that kind of more concrete terms, that's more than the people, the amount of people that live in like New York City. Um, And kind of um, this, I got these sources from Mental Health America. Um, The site was really good in like really breaking down mental health uh, within different communities. Um, So that's where I got the source and I'll link it in. Um, But in terms of seeing uh, at least the Hispanic and like Black populations, uh, people who identify in those populations and who have, who identify having mental illness. Um, there's a huge chunk and 
some even more than the amount that there is, if that makes sense, of identifying having a mental illness. So you can see it's a it's something that's like really, really prominent, something that's actually really, really real. Um, but as we kind of are going to go dive deep into this episode, um, even though those things are very real, they're not something that's uh, either taken seriously or uh, not people are not able to get help for those uh, mental health illnesses that um, they have. So I kind of want to turn to you, Marilena, um, and I will answer this question myself, but I want to ask you this question is, how is mental health talked about in your culture? Uh, it's not, right? Like, we don't talk about it. And there's more, I guess there's more, like, we're realizing, like, millennials are 30s like millennials are in their 30s so these are the people who are raising children so like we like I said before we're we're really changing that generational culture um that has been instilled in us so like you have millennials who I think are really leading the charge of the people who are talking and starting these conversations right so it's like even within my family this is I'll be the I'll be very candid here. I'm the one with di- with diagnosis. Di- di- I couldn't say this word last time we talked about this either. That's true. You have, you have been diagnosed. <clears throat> I have been diagnosed and I have multiple, I have diagnoses, diagnoses um, with, you know, depression, anxiety. Um, and because I'm the one who has these things and because I'm the one who seeks help, you are the sick one. You were the crazy one, right? Things that we don't necessarily talk about anymore. But I think this comes from a culture, like if I can think about it more deeply, like not that I'm making excuses, but the reason that we're conditioned to behave in this way is that um, what stays in this family happens in this family. We don't talk about what happens outside of these four walls. And that was a, a method of, preservation right self-preservation um in cultures that didn't accept us so i think both in the latino culture um and black culture like that makes a lot of sense like there wasn't safe spaces for us to talk about things that were hurting us in any way shape or form whether that was physically mentally emotionally um and that has carried into generations upon generations upon generations of people who can't deal with their shit mm-hmm. so i guess that yeah yeah no for sure definitely um the idea of like what stays in the house stays in the house you know like what happens in vegas stays in vegas but like not really as fun it's not fun <laughs> you know what i mean um i just remember like growing up like in my um home there was just a lot of like issues like happening in the home and like I wasn't allowed to talk about those issues outside of the home you know and like that's something that contributes to like mental health right because if I can't talk about to anyone like your parents your family members aren't trained mental health professionals and also if nothing's being done about those issues that like really like contributes like your mental health so I just say it to be like yeah that's something that's very prevalent in like black and um, Hispanic and Latino communities of like what happens inside stays inside and unfortunately for that the thing about mental health is like no one really talks about it now we're talking about it more about that time just in general no one was like talking about it so it's like ah I don't know where to go you know 
Um, but in uh, Black communities, um, it's uh, pretty interesting because like, uh, as you can say, like in Hispanic communities, um, it is like looked down upon in general. Like I do remember growing up and I really do have this distinct memory of, so the the last three years of high school, I moved to the north side of Atlanta. So where I grew, so where I moved and where my my mom currently resides is a very prominent white area. And so the high school I went to the last three years of my high school career were in this like very like predominantly like white high school. Um, and so, and I say that because I remember um, I was trying to look at classmate and uh, we were we were at some competition. We were talking and she was talking about how she take like her anxiety like medication. You know what I mean? And like, Caroline, take her anxiety medication. And I remember my head being like, why are you taking medicine for like anxiety? Like what? I was like, I was like, what are you doing? But I didn't say that to her, like in my head. And I remember like having this right. conversation with my mom, like afterwards. And she literally was like, why people That's why always people... find a reason? She, she know, my mom, she went, why people always find a reason to be sick and take everything? And, she, and she's, and <laughs> I think. She was just going on about this is like a white people thing, right? But I remember having those conversations with my mom about that. And now mm-hmm. I look back and being like, maybe they just like were onto something. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, they knew what was happening. Well, and it's I- interesting. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. But no, like, yeah. it's interesting because like the first time, so you know that I was on medication for about two years, um, maybe three. And I'm not on it anymore. Because I don't need it. I'm not in a place in my life where I need it anymore, right? Like, I have enough tools in my toolbox to, like, um, and I'm not, if tomorrow I need it again, like, I'll go back on it, right? Like, anyway, but I remember the first time I looked at my doctor and I said, I don't want to need like I and it was this this like internal battle right like this what I've been taught and what I've like the grit of like you just get through whatever and you roll with the punches and you're made to withstand hard things and I looked at my doctor and I said I can't mm-hmm. and and she's like what do you mean I'm just like I just can't mm-hmm. and she's like but what does that mean like are you having suicidal ideation like what what's going on and I said I don't even have the capacity or my brain to ask for what I need, right? And my doctor has known me. I, you know me. I come with a list. I come with a <clears throat> with um, with all the things I need to make sure that I'm well. Mm-hmm. And I just didn't have the tools. And like, she looked at me and she said, "What's stopping you?" And I'm like, "The shame that I'm going to be on psychiatric medication." And I think that that's ultimately what stops, you know, because we've been conditioned to like, that's a white people thing Mm -hmm. to say, um, I don't need that or it's too expensive, right? Like that's the other, the other alternative to that. But yeah, like I really remember that moment where it's like everything that I've been taught about getting medicated, like I have no problem taking a Tylenol when I have a headache. So why do I have a problem? taking, you know, uh, Alexapro when I have anxiety. I don't know. Right. And something that you said that kind of goes really into my next point um, is the idea of like, um, I am very 
like strong I can like do this whatever and like in the black community and I don't think I realized this until a couple years ago me and a friend were like talking and like in the black community in the Hispanic community we have experienced a lot of just oppression from outside sources right in the black community you 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 go into slavery sharecropping all of you go pre-Jim Crow slavery pre the Europeans coming all that so historically we have been oppressed to the point where it is atrocious right but with that being said it's like if you're going through all that shit there's like no time to think about your mental health in the sense of like if I'm being like being down by the police right if I'm being denied services because of the color of my skin right if I am living in this like poverty or like this systematically like racist society or whatever all these things there are more important things to focus on than your mental health not saying that you can't have both but like if I'm like struggling with all of these things historically in real life whatever like we are just like we're just like we're built different right like we mm-hmm. can't handle anything that comes our way right and like mental health is something that's put on the back burner but I don't think what we realize as a culture is those things are like correlated together right you receive you get all this oppression all this shit's happening that affects your mental health that is trauma that's trauma you like we have gone through so much trauma that affects your brain generationally right generationally of trauma yeah right but unfortunately we have not i say now that's starting to be a conversation but for the longest time we have not been able to put two and two together when in fact we should absolutely and we shit on millennials i'm gonna bring up millennials again but I'm just so grateful for my peers who are like, hey, listen, this isn't how we're going to do this. We're going to do things a little bit differently. Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. Exactly. And I think another thing to point about like mental health, and this is something that I personally experienced growing up, um, is I think the idea of going to see a therapist, going to get medication is like very, very taboo. It is like there's something wrong with you like in Africa or at least where my like family is from like the idea you're going to see someone without any like physical pain is like did something happen to you did someone put like a spell on you did this and that like I remember going to Cameroon recently um and I was talking with like a family friend um and uh he had mentioned something about not going to see a therapist and being like that is so weird I could just talk with my friends about this Mm. and I remember in my head I was like look I rant to my friends about all of my stuff but at the same time though none of my friends maybe except for Eric but even then that's different none of my friends are like trained mental health professionals they're not therapists right they don't have the capacity the tools to help me process all of those things like in a professional like setting and Mm -hmm. I was like pretty shocked to hear this man said that but like then again he's a black African living in Cameroon so the idea about that is like very different and like growing up also the going out the idea of seeing a therapist like is like taboo um there is the idea of like you just like pray away the issue, right? You go see a priest, you pray away the issue, or you like go to church, right? And like the idea was like if you're having these thoughts, if you're having these issues, that probably means you're not praying enough, probably means you're not going to church enough, and you should consult a priest. Which all of those things 
are good um and for me important but at the same time though that that if i that that's not what is causing my mental health i have a lot of issues with that Mm -hmm. like with that statement because i think that we're and and my issue with like praying it away it's the same mentality of you can pray the gay away you can pray Mm -hmm. you can pray you know all of these things that like I remember for a long time, like I, cause you know, I've, I've struggled with depression and anxiety for a long time. And in my community, it's like, I oh, know you just have to pray. You just have to pray that God will heal you. And I was like, maybe God wants to bless this person who has to help me understand how to go through these problems. Like, you know, like if we're all called to be a community, like God also gave therapists their, you know, their, the faculties and their intelligence of being a therapist. So like, it's the same, it's that same mentality of like, also Latinos are known, notoriously known for not going to the doctor and just drinking seven up and putting Vicks Vaporu on their stuff. <laughs> so there's also that I don't understand why people don't go to the doctor, but so I get it. It's the, that this is the, the crux of it is that health and wellness is only for people who can afford it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Especially in this country, to be healthy physically, mentally, emotionally is for a person or people who are in within a certain bracket of income. And historically and generationally, that has not been Latinos or the Black African communities. Right. Right. No, and that, no, for sure. And that's another part of the conversation, right? There's like, it's like one thing to be like, yes, you got to go get all these health services, this and that. We bring in, we bring in all these trauma, all that. That's great. But the other point is, is, the other point of it, excuse me, is like, can I afford to go get those services? It's one thing to also at some point recognizing, hey, maybe I should go see a therapist. Great first step. The second first step is like, do I have health insurance? Does my health insurance cover it? Can I like, get the copay can i pay for the medicine does my insurance cover the medicine probably not maybe it does depending on what job you have right you know what i mean like i feel fortunate enough that like my insurance is like okay it will like cover these things but like not everyone is in the same boat right and like for the longest time like my family even for like now like can't afford a bunch of these like different like health services right and that's like it goes to this it goes to what you said of like being healthy in this country because we're talking about america um is a privilege and i don't think people realize it and being able to go get mental health services really really is a privilege because it's only now that like that conversation is being more to the forefront and only now that like health companies insurance companies would be like oh let's like cover this or cover part of it or like include it just as much as whatever health needs um you have so in the health community, because I work in the healthcare fields. You guys all know that for the most part. I work with nonprofits. Oh, so we, have, and, we, have an, we have an expert. Oh, no, I would not even come close to being an <laughs> expert. Um, but we do focus on, on whole person care, people-centered care. Mm-hmm. And when you go into this circle, like because I see the whole person as a circle, I've seen this done a lot of times. It's like, your physical well-being, your mental well-being, you know, um, your nutritional, right? Like all of these components work together. And 
I'm realizing the more and more that I become an adult, I'm realizing that the entire system is rigged (laughs) for us to not be successful. So when there's, you know, it's like the opium crisis, right? The, um, the war on drugs, um, the war on guns, like this is, this is to systematically, you know, even to an extent, you know, welfare, you know, child's coupons, um, food, you know, food, um, snap programs, right from the beginning in the seventies, right. You couldn't, it was literally like, if you had a two parent household, you weren't able to get snap benefits. So people would, you know, not be there. The father would be incarcerated. And this happened in the black community. It was a lot more predominant in the black community. Um, but there was also, it's uh, the challenges that the Latino community had. And they always feel like when it comes to, um, especially in the United States, I feel like the black community is just a little bit ahead of the Latino community in kind of catching up. And I think we do it because we're stubborn and we think we can anyway, but, um, I digress, I digress. Um, you know, all of these, the circle of health, if you look at the whole person, it was like systematically torn apart. And so now we have homelessness, which I believe is a, is a mental health issue, mental health crisis. Um, we have gun violence, we have, which is definitely a mental health crisis Mm -hmm. and all these things that link, link back to one, not focusing on whole person care, but also two, um, systematic oppression and um, dismantling of the non-white person to be able to be successful. That's why whenever I see a Latina girl at the gym or a black man at the gym or a black girl at the gym, I, I give them this acknowledgement of like, we're breaking generational stereotypes. And I, I, I see you. I see you. I see you. And I'm you are my safe person. I'm your safe person. Like, I got you, you know, which is few and far between, if, I, if we're honest. Oh, well, no. For- in where we live, where we live in, in Missouri, Kansas, where we live. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Definitely like where we live. Um, this just kind of like goes into my next question of like, how have you seen the conversation change over the years. And I feel like you like touched on it, but like, I feel the idea of like, you like see, like you saw someone at the gym, like a person of color, like, yes, we, we're going to make it. Like we are doing the work, right? Um, how have you seen, yeah, like how have you seen the conversation change over the years and kind of also like, what do you hope like continues to change or needs to change that you don't see now? Ooh, um what have I seen? Like I said, I keep seeing these millennials talk. Um, Something that I don't see and I do a lot is like checking our elders when they do talk in ways that are inappropriate, in ways that continue to perpetuate um, language I won't leave around me, right? And so like, for example, my, for example, just a quick example, my grandmother yesterday, I posted, I've been doing a 30 days for Madi because I'm going to be 30 on the 30th of August. So I've been posting quite regularly, like more than I usually do. And my grandmother puts, I love you 
so much. You are, I'm so proud of you. You've always been a, a, a warrior. Um, I love you, even though you're a little overweight. Oh, and exit stage left. Exit stage and she writes left. this on Facebook for everybody to see, all 2,000 of my closest friends. Purple. So I, I leave the post up. I like the post. Oh, yeah. So then I call my grandma and I go, hey, listen, I'm not mad at you. I'm not mad at you. Because I know that your love is unconditional. However, when we use this kind of language, this is what it signals to me and people around me. It signals that your love is, uncon is, is conditional. And it's also something where you're just like, some things are better left unsaid. Like you either love me or you don't. And it's like, and furthermore, if you're going to use that kind of language, I will continue to put boundaries on how you can and cannot talk to me. So my biggest issue is that, yes, there's these biggest, these conversations, but our elders who are still with us, God bless them, are, are still influencing the younger generation. So I wish there was more of us to be like, mm, that kind of language doesn't happen in my presence, in my household. And if you want to continue that language, these are the natural consequences. So I wish we were respectful because I don't, and I told her, I was like, I don't, I'm not mad. I, it made me feel some type of way. I'm not hurt. Like able to express that. And she's like, well, I didn't mean this. And I was like, I know that you didn't mean it. Right. However, you are not allowed to talk to me this way. Mm -hmm. um, and so, and you know that I'm very good at getting my point across mm -hmm. without being um, disrespectful. Um, but so that's one thing that I wish is that we were, we were able to even educate our older generations before us one. And then two, I'm just really happy that we're having these conversations. I'm happy mm -hmm. that we're able to do the really, 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 really hard work. Um, because that means that we're going to be healthier. Now we're going to raise healthier kids um, and hopefully just have a, a world where people are just more understanding and tender and compassionate. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. How about you? I'm happy, like, like, how's the conversation changed? It has changed, like, dramatically, um, a lot. I'm really happy that we are, like, having, I think, like having these conversations, but the idea of that we kind of like you said, like millennials and uh, is it Gen Z? Is that the phrase? Gen Z? Yeah, okay. the other okay. people. The other people. I was like Gen X, but I was like, I, I think that's completely wrong. Um, anywho, the, the other people, I don't mean to discriminate. Um, no, but I'm really happy that like this generation and like millennials are, um, Having, having these conversations and recognizing, I think, the trauma and things that are happening, like the reason why we're having these conversations and how generational trauma goes into it, um, I think that's the thing that I'm really, really excited about. It kind of just really reminds me of this post that I saw a couple weeks ago on like my like 
real for you page um and i don't know it was this guy he i i didn't agree with anything he said um but it was like this guy going on just be about like why are all these people talking about like oh my parents the way they raised me this and that has affected my life this and that blah 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 and he was just like hey they put a food food how's birth rate they put a roof over your head and food on your plates that's not the phrase but you know i try to say you mm-hmm. should be grateful and stop clothes on your back roof over your head and food on your plate <laughs> yes that essentially he was saying that and be like you ungrateful human beings talking about this and that and now i got this trauma and now i can't do this and uh also like i read like the comments right and the comments were like great because people were like yes that's great. First of all, if even if you had that, not everyone has had all that. So let's start there. But mm-hmm. even if you had that, the way that uh, me and my mom talk about this all the time, the way that you raise your children and future generations really affects a huge portion of the outcome of their life. Yes, you can grow up and you can change and make something of yourself. Yes, but like as a child, these are the foundations that are going to hold with you for a very, very long time and affect like mm-hmm. your work, different relationships, all this and that, whatever. So like, not every parent is like perfect, right? But having at least a good foundation of how you raise the next generation really affects what happens to them mm-hmm. and the next generation afterwards. So having these type of conversations about how that affects our mental health and also what we can do to change that and make ourselves like better. I'm really, really happy about that because um, I don't think now, but for the longest time, I don't think people realize the environment, actually this better way to say, the environment that you grew up in really affects your mental health mm-hmm. right um so that's like super super important and i think uh what i hope to see change um i think kind of what you said but i hope to see change is us being able to uh have more of these conversations there's not enough i mean there's a lot but not enough and also i think learning how to create more boundaries with people mm-hmm. i say i say because that's something i'm really trying to like work hard on like just like boundaries like I just remember like last night um I was like talking to my mom and she was like pretty upset with me because she had called on Friday and then I never picked I never picked up by text or hey I came back late from volunteering at this thing whatever and then of course I had to go do all my stuff like the weekend Mm -hmm. and so then like she called me on yesterday and was like pretty upset that I like didn't call back and then later on we had another conversation and she said she was like sorry but like I was like trying to explain to her I don't know if I did well enough because I'm still learning how to do boundaries but like trying to explain like I am also like at full capacity like you are at your full capacity doing stuff like where you are but also like I'm doing so many other things so like sometimes I just need to like if I can't like pick up the phone or something like that's just me being like, I don't have the mental capacity to like talk or do anything. Cause I'm juggling like five different things. Right. A smaller example, but the idea of like hoping that we can learn how to create more boundaries. Cause that's super important. And boundaries help with your like mental health. If they're like healthy boundaries, they really, really help because like your brain and you know, yourself can only take so much at a period of time as well. So I hope we have more of those conversations of what boundaries look like. So, yeah. Well, yeah, look at us talking about mental health. Breaking, look at us. breaking the, the chains. Well, I mean, we talk about, like, this whole idea of, like, creating generational wealth or, like, you know, breaking generational stereotypes. And, like, I think the people who are doing it right 
also focus on the mental health, right? And like realizing that like the standard that we've, that we're cultivating for ourselves, like the standard is when you have a problem, you seek professional attention, mm-hmm. right? Like that's the standard. Um, and so um, that's the standard, at least for us, right? And so like, like you said, like if when we have children, um, the standard will be like, okay, like, Johnny's depressed or Ezra's depressed or whatever. You kind of want to name your name. Like Johnny was a very like random name that I picked. And then Ezra was also a random other name that I picked. But uh, like, um, how are they going to be prepared and how are they going to, you know, share their emotions? And I think for us, it's going to be equally important because men, this is a whole nother thing, men of color are known to not have that regulation of emotions and therefore, and even Latinas, right? Like, oh, Latinas are angry and angry black women, right? Like mm-hmm. we're already, we're already categorized as people that don't know how to regulate their emotions. So it's like, hey, actually we're going to talk about this. So when you're not in my, in, in my safe spaces, you can have the proper tools to, to keep yourself a little bit more safe when I'm not around. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, that's all for today, folks. Talking about mental health. Um, keep yourself <laughs> safe out there. A low energy um, po- podcast today. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but the good news is we're talking about mental health and we're part of the conversation. So that's the good news. Yay. Yeah, so, for sure. To wrap that up, I am Leo Kadiachwafe. And I'm Mary Elena Mariquin. And this is Andre Elamal. Until next time, stay hydrated, be kind, and take your vitamins. And remember to always come as you are. Bye for now. Bye. Bye. Bye.